Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, fellow conspiracy realist, which means that it's time for some strange news. And we have, a, you know, as always, we've endeavored to give you a a mix of things that you might not encounter. Certainly, you won't encounter all of these in the same place. Uh, There are widespread protests, but not political protests. There is an update on a monolith, several monoliths. You may know what we're talking about if you're a member of our Facebook page. Here's where it gets crazy. And uh, there are, of course, more assassinations, one in particular that I think is going to be tremendously important in the coming months. But maybe we can ease into that one because it's a downer and it's prescient (laughs) and it's terrifying. Uh, So where would you guys like to start today? I mean, we've been getting a ton of people writing to us about this monolith with updates on Here's Where It Gets Crazy. I think that might be an easy one to start with. Let's just clear the air. Many of you will recall from, I believe, uh, last week's episode, Matt brought the story 
Uh, before I really started seeing it pick up steam on social media, and now it's sort of become a meme, and then it's sort of taken on a life of its own. What am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about the giant steel monolith-like structure that was discovered in a canyon in Moab, Utah. Um, it really has taken on an internet life of its own. It's been memed up uh, six ways to Sunday. One of my favorites where someone just put the Toblerone logo on it because it really does kind of look like a giant uh, space Toblerone. And there's another one that said the monolith has stories now and it has the little circles like from the top of Instagram. Like I think that's like a, a meme format, like the whatever has stories now. But yeah, I hope to see more of that. But uh, in, you know, more recent monolith news, unmeme related, uh, apparently the thing is gone. Yeah. It's just, just gone. Yeah. It had um, a quick, quick rain. It vanished as quickly as it as it appeared. Um, and uh, there's a couple of sources on this. Only one have I found that has some specifics uh, from a local uh, who, who they interviewed who, who claims to have seen it picked up and taken away in a truck. And then the words, by were scrawled on the ground um, with like tire tracks and a urine stain. Oh, uh, this- it was Aaron Paul. Yeah, definitely. Definitely yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with that, by the way? Who did he knock out that also got memed like crazy? He he was in a like he was the second event like the the, the opening act for the Mike Tyson fight. And oh he, no, you're talking about the other Logan Paul. Logan, I was Paul. talking about Aaron talking Paul. About. Because what, uh, does by, he pee on things? No, because is he, he's so famous for he says saying that? thing saying things like calling people. On, on that show. Is, yeah, science. Okay. It's his catchphrase. Probably his okay. most famous line from Breaking <laughs> Sorry, Down. didn't mean to... Fair enough. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting my Pauls confused, but that's another story that's been all over the meme pages. But yeah, so okay, uh, again, this is according to the Daily Mail. Um, so take this with a grain of salt, because it is the only place that I'm seeing this account. But uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Ricardo Marino, who uh, is apparently the one who discovered this late, la- late Friday. He said he found the pillar was gone, and it was replaced with uh, by in the dirt and tire tracks and a uh, pee pee stain. Um, and he said on the way to the site, he passed a truck hauling a large object that he believed to be the monolith. Um, the Utah Bureau of Land Management, who obviously manages the land that this structure was found on, uh, said in a statement Saturday that the pillar was removed by a unknown party. Of course, there's been much ado made about this monolith. You know, uh, it, it certainly gets our brains thinking in the direction of science fiction, like Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, well, more specifically, the Stanley Kubrick film version, which has, you know, it's more of an obsidian colored monolith at the end. That's sort of, well, at the beginning, but it also sort of like the through line for the whole film. And it represents this idea of alien uh, presence. And there's certainly some non-ironic discussion around that being this. I think we pretty quickly decided it was probably more like an art installation. And there was even an artist that had a very similar looking work to this piece. Um, But this has neither been confirmed nor denied. All we know is that it showed up uh, and now it's gone. Um, And then in other monolith related news, Another monolith has now been discovered in Romania. Just this week, a mysterious monolith appears in Romania. A little different in texture, but very similar to the one that appeared in Utah. And no one really can explain it. Um, It's about 13 feet tall and was first noticed on uh, Batch Domine Hill in Pietra Nimt. 
uh, N-E-A-M-T in Romania. Forgive my, my butchering of that pronunciation. But the Niemt culture and heritage uh, official by the name of Roscana Hosanu said, quote, we have started looking into the strange appearance of the monolith. It is on private property, but we still don't know who the monolith's owner is yet. It is in a protected area on an archaeological site. Uh, and it says before installing something there, they needed permission from our institution, one that must be approved by the Ministry of Culture. Clearly, that did not happen. Um, and it's a little more, it's like a triangular wedge kind of shaped, very tall, you know, protrusion, a lot like one of the pillars of the Georgia Guidestone, which this is being compared to uh, in a lot of circles. And yeah, um, it's it's only meters away from the city's oldest historical monument, something called the Petrodava Dacian Fortress, um, which faces something called the Holy Mountain or mm. Mount uh, Kialu. Kialau. Again, sorry for the butchery. But geez, guys, we're, we're up to our ears in monoliths here. I mean, it's a sign of the times. A clever performance artist. I sent this to our group text thread, and Ben said he thought it was very smart of the artist to to pick it up like that. And I meant to respond, or the aliens. But I mean, you know, what do you think, Ben? Uh, you clearly seem to have a have a, a, a an opinion about where this is coming from. Uh, yeah, two things. It's highly likely, or it's 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 plausible at least that this was stolen, the monolith in Utah, because it mm. blew up virally in a remote area. Mm. And uh, the only report we have is the one eyewitness saying they saw a truck. And then, of course, humans leaving trash when they took the thing because they uh, ruin everything. That's like humanity in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how how would it work if it were stolen? Well, it's really tough for the artist to get any recompense, the very human artist, I'm convinced. Uh, because imagine if you're a private collector and you have this in your home, you can just say it's a replica or something different. And there's not really – I mean the artist could try a, a civil suit, but then they would also be identifying themselves, which apparently they didn't want to do just yet. So I don't know if the actual artist took it. I think it's I think it's more likely that somebody in the area just decided to take it on a lark. It's possible. I don't have proof, but I have prejudice against humans, I guess, <laughs> is the best way to say that. And then there's another point with the Romanian one. The reports are that the Romanian one is a copycat. Uh, it's inferior in quality. Uh, it may be, and we're just reading tea leaves here, or we're just reading... Uh, monolith script, uh, but it may be that the entire point of the exercise was to have people copy this in other parts of the world, similar to uh, the Toynbee tiles. You know what I mean? Hmm. Interesting. I very much do know what you mean, Ben. And um, I, I do think that if it were extraterrestrials, probably pretty unlikely that they would be uh, quoting a YouTuber back at us when they, you know, beamed it back up and, and urinating on the site and leaving tire tracks just to throw us off. You know, this was like their big, like grand gesture of, you know, reconnecting or connecting with humanity. Um, that seems pr- pretty unlikely or at the very least pretty sophomoric. I don't want to hang out with those aliens. They don't see, they seem like uh, pretty poor sports. I don't know, man. I mean, it's like, I, I think about this all the time. Uh, there was a great uh, listener mail we got uh, too about how we how we remove our anthropocentric presumptions and framing when we think about non-human intelligence or life. I mean, culturally, if aliens had something that we could call a culture, then for all we know, 
uh, the deposit of urine may be a, a tremendously, like, culturally significant, nice thing, you know? Maybe they're a species that communicates entirely through uh, distribution of fluids, which is wild. But uh, we should also uh, hasten to point out that the the urine is probably human too, right? Did they prove that? Did they have like uh, a? Well, I mean, you could a easily pee guy ex- come in. Yeah, you could extract urine from any bystanding humanoid that that was around, right? I mean, it's pretty easy. Abduct a humanoid. Take the contents of the bladder out, save it, deposit it down to, you know, to frame up uh, some oh, human. You know I what I'm see. saying? Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I got no, it. I'm, j- I'm completely joking. But, um, hmm, yeah, I, I, you know, we're we're having some fun with this. We talked, I think last time we talked about John McCracken, right? We that sure was the, did. The artist mm, from New correct. Mexico who died in 2011. Yeah, he passed away was- in 2011 literally just pulling up an article from the times that, that has some very interesting speculation around this uh, because some folks have actually weighed in associated with the artist. Oh, what, what are they, what are they thinking? Cause well, it, it, um, it feels similar to him, but I would just make the point that any artist that is working with metal could have created that thing. This is true. entirely true. Very true. But the David's Werner Gallery, which we mentioned in the last episode, um, who's exhibited uh, McCracken's work since the 90s uh, and represents his estate, um, they have weighed in and said that the monolith is indeed a bona fide piece of McCracken's work. And this is an authority on this gentleman's work, you know, so they would be able to sniff out a phony, you know, even, even I'm sure, you know, it's minimal. It's about as minimal as it comes, but I would argue if anyone was going to be able to like point it out, you know, and, and be that definitive about it, they probably have a good reason. Um, Here's the thing though. If he did do it, he died, like you said, in 2011. He apparently never mentioned it to any of his friends or the dealer. Um, and so that it's become a big discussion in the art world. And the artist's son, who is living, Patrick McCracken, he is kind of expressed like total bewilderment over the whole thing. Um, and he it hasn't really weighed in one way or the other. There's a quote from him in this Times piece where he says, of a memory with his father when he was still living, we were standing outside looking at the stars and he said something to the effect of that he would like to leave his artwork in remote places to be discovered later. Mm-hmm. There he you go. In a, in a phone interview. And then they, they asked him, do you think he was joking? And he said, no, I thought it was something that he would do. He was inspired by the idea of alien visitors leaving objects that resembled his work or that his work resembled this discovery of a monolith piece. That's very much in line with his artistic vision. See, wow. I, I read that same piece and I believe it's New York times piece. The one you're talking about um, came out a couple days, like about three days ago. Uh, I believe in that same piece, a spokesperson from the David's Werner gallery said, no, no, in an interview with Art News, a spokesperson said that they don't think it's a work by John McCracken, but maybe by a fellow artist paying homage to him. Well, that definitely conflicts with what's in the Times piece that came mm-hmm. out, you're right, the 27th, today being the 30th. Um, the representative of the Zwerner Gallery 
did say that they felt it was a bona fide uh, piece of his work. So maybe there's uh, some conflicts there or some not, not quite getting the story straight between the two uh, pieces. But either way, to me, this memory the son is talking about is is pretty powerful. Um, and again, he doesn't go as far as to say, yes, it was definitely him. But he he talks to the Times about this um, this conversation he had with his dad and the whole idea of alien life and all of that. I think it's pretty compelling. Mm. When did McCracken pass away again? 2011. That's right. 2011. I think it's a really cool testament. I hope it was McCracken. And, you know, without going into the idea of what happens after life, uh, it, it would be neat to think that the artist is somehow cognizant of this and able to witness this discovery. Super cool. I mm. think it's something everybody should do. Leave behind an unexplained legacy. And it, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the It's the... <laughs> Artistic version of planting a tree uh, whose shade you will never sit beneath. Right. right. There you go. Yeah. I did that. I, really quickly before we move on, had you guys ever heard of this other monolith in Seattle? The They called it the Millennium Monolith. Oh, no. There's a place called Magnuson Park, M-A-G-N-U-S-O-N Park. Uh, in Seattle, Washington, here in the United States, and on the on the first of January, two thousand one, this three feet wide, nine feet tall monolith appeared in this park out of nowhere, and it only lasted until the third of January, two thousand one, when it was removed, and a single red rose was placed down into the concrete area where it was attached. Mm-hmm. It was a single red rose that was snapped in half, just sitting there. Uh, after a couple of days, interesting uh, symbolism there, maybe. That's powerful. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. Someone's got a great collection at their house. Oh, totally. And and no one weighing in yet on the the Romanian monolith. Um, I've I've seen a Twitter post with an actual photo of it, and it really does look like the same uh, deal. It's triangular, um, very shiny, a little more textured, but mm-hmm. um, fascinating to see where this goes. Uh, alien life or no, it's definitely uh, its own kind of interesting conspiracy. It's sort of a nice one, I would say. I kind of like it. Maybe the aliens are trying to tell us that they're from Uranus. <laughs> oh. Uh, Doc, codename Doc Holiday. I think you have solved the case. Uh, hopefully, that is how we learn about alien life. Hopefully, there are extraterrestrials. They live in our solar system. They communicate through... Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they watch what? Breaking Bad. I clearly, clearly do. Urine uh, finds a way. Always. Well, on that uplifting note, let's take a quick sponsor break and then come back with a little more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. 
attempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are back. Well, everyone, as we're recording this, it is the 30th of November, which means we're right in that sweet spot of everybody rushing around to get the best deals on all the things that they feel they want to or have to uh, buy for other people for the holidays coming up very soon in a little less than a month. And, you know, we've we've got all kinds of fun names for all of the sales that occur now. Uh, the most famous one that just became a phenomena of, you know, mostly people getting run over or punched or beaten up while they attempt to get the best deals. Uh, Black Friday. Mm-hmm. But there are all there are all kinds of other ones. Uh, what is it? Is it Prime Day? I think Amazon's big one was Prime Day. Well, there's like yeah. Cyber, Monday. Cyber Monday. Yeah. And just really quickly to your point, Matt, and maybe this is a dumb question, I never really thought that deep into it. Black Friday is specifically a reference to how hellish the day is, right? Like that is the idea that it's like a miserable, miserable day. No, it's a reference to historically brick and mortar department stores going from the red ink or in debt to going to black ink. See, I thought that was an op- yeah. option as well, but I, I just want to make sure I'm on the same page. Because when I, and I conjure that, I think of like Black Sabbath or some kind of like demonic thing happening. Or like Black Monday when the stock market crashed. It's weird exactly. to me that uh, a Black <laughs> Friday is good, but a Black Monday is terrible. Also, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, Mondays, you know, they're, they're the worst. Hmm. Uh, but no matter what you call it, it's when... A a company, everything from a Macy's to a Target, some outlet uh, goes on this big sale in order to get a bunch of stuff out the door for the holidays, because that is, you know, as consumers, that is when we spend a lot of our money. 
It's around the holiday times and towards the end of the year. So this year, just like last year, and this is a big thing to remember, uh, this year, just like last year, Amazon workers are striking. And uh, this is something that is can it's been ramping up really over the you know as long as Amazon has become this titan within within the shipping and online ordering all the commerce that they do as mm. they've been getting more and more popular you know and there are more and more workers and there's more pressure on this company to you know pay better wages to give better health care or benefits or any at all um, it's just it's just all kind of compounding. As, as it goes on and as the company makes more and more money. And this year, my goodness, with all of the quarantine efforts and other safety measures that are in place, you and I and everybody else have been ordering a ton of stuff. And because Amazon is the biggest player currently for any of that stuff, a ton of us are buying on Amazon. And mm-hmm. I believe I've got all the stuff here. We can We can talk about it as we go through this. But this year, in a lot of countries, not in a lot of states here in the U.S., in a lot of countries across the world, workers at Amazon are striking. And they're specifically coordinating around this past uh, weekend, this past Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And my goodness, it is a really complex thing to think about if you look at all the pieces and what it actually means and the effects that it could have on the global economy mm-hmm. in time. Um, but it also is really simple when you think about what Amazon can do now because it is so big. You know, we, we talk about companies that reach this thing too big to fail. Mm-hmm. We like to, that we've like this new thing that we've coined um, over the past decade or so, a little over a decade. Um, they are at that level and humanity is at the level where so many of us need jobs. So let's jump into this and I'm going to read parts of an independent article from the independent Uh, title is Amazon black Friday strikes and protests coordinated around the world. Um, 15 countries are carrying out strikes and protests on Black Friday this past week, and they are calling for increased pay and improved working conditions. Now, remember, there is a pandemic still active globally. So working in any kind of space, even if it's a giant warehouse or something, you have to be very careful about who you're close to and wearing some kind of personal protection and, uh, you know, always sanitizing. There's so many things that you have to worry about as an individual worker that also a giant company has to worry about uh, providing things for their employees. Mm, should worry about. They should. I'll go, I'll go with should, should worry about. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Um, this movement, this whole protest thing, just to jump forward a little bit, uh, it's called hashtag make Amazon pay. And, um, Here are the countries, Australia, Bangladesh, Belgium, Brazil, France, Germany, India, Italy, Luxembourg, Mexico, Poland, the Philippines, Spain, the UK, and the US. Um, The largest of these protests is occurring in Germany. There are around 3,000 workers across six different facilities that are protesting or have been protesting, and they're working directly with a trade union that is attempting to, to again, get better wages for those workers. And they make 
they make a really interesting case here. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, the the head of Amazon, <laughs> he has become the first human in history to amass $200 billion in personal wealth because of because of COVID, really, and mm-hmm. because he had built this giant corporation prior to any of the COVID stuff going down. I believe it's $70 billion of that wealth has come specifically because of because of quarantine and, and COVID mm-hmm. restrictions and everything. $70 mm-hmm. billion dollars in That's personal wealth. Wild. I, I mean, imagine the add-on effect there, too, because one thing a lot of people don't know is historically – even though it kind of started as an online book distributor, Amazon makes a lot of its money off of its web services. Mm -hmm. And so those... cloud storage and things like that, right? Right, exactly. So those companies experiencing increased online traffic are also using the web service more. So Amazon is making money even when you don't buy from Amazon because you might be buying from a business that uses Amazon web services. And and you could argue, well, he was... Okay, COVID aside, prescient, like he laid the groundwork and the infrastructure for this massive empire. Shouldn't he deserve to to benefit in this way? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just a hypothetical, I guess, right? Uh, should there be statutes of limitations on like how much personal wealth an individual like this can amass? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, Is, yeah. Isn't that called something other than uh, capitalism, you know? Right. Well, unfettered capitalism is uh, – a uh, a beast that eats itself. It depends on continual expansion into new areas of exploitation. And I know exploitation is a loaded word. I'm not saying it with a bad connotation, but that's what it is, right? You you transform labor into other things of value. I do want to correct, though, there are there are going to be a lot of uh, our fellow conspiracy realists who argue that, yeah, Jeff Bezos, he's got a lot of scratch, but is he Mansa Musa level? Like Mansa Musa, right now, if you, it's really tricky to calculate the net worth of of this ruler, born in twelve eighty. But I think he peaked around four hundred billion today. So Jeff, if you're listening, you still got a ways to go, man. But yeah. uh, but you're closer than anyone else ever got so far, except for maybe Vladimir Putin. But that's a different. Yeah, we have a whole different story about that. He, he's not on conquering. Warlord King level <laughs> yet. Um, but but, but Am- Amazon makes their net worth now, the company overall, is yeah. $1.7 trillion. That's larger yeah. than the GDP of Russia, and that's pretty much neck and neck with the GDP of Canada. So if Amazon were a country, economically, it would be in, the, in very close to being in the top 10. Yes. And and here here is our point. The whole reason we're even talking about Jeff Bezos's personal wealth here and and how much the company is making. The whole the whole idea is that the the company itself is making just hand over fist money. They can't put it away fast enough. They've got just there's not enough space to fit all this money in. Even if it's a even if it's a digital bank account, it's just there's too many zeros. So uh that that being over here, they they hire Thousands and thousands and thousands of human beings who do actual labor. And, you know, if you if you look to what Amazon says about that labor, well, let's let's get a specific statement from a spokesperson. 
Uh, here it is. Amazon has a strong track record of supporting our people, our customers, and our communities, including providing safe working conditions and leading $15 minimum wage and great benefits, leading on climate change with a climate change commitment to be net zero carbon by 2040, and paying more than $5 billion in taxes globally. So essentially, look, we are paying our our people pretty well. $15 minimum wage is not nothing. No, I mean, that's right. that's pretty great. Uh, we've all five, heard the horror stories about what it's like working in those warehouses, though. It, yes, we've all heard the horror stories. We are aware of how tough it can be to maintain a job in, in this one specific place if you're working for an Amazon warehouse. The other thing is, or the, at least the the thought is, with the growth of Amazon overall and all of the shipping and, and all this money come in, couldn't there be a little more equitable growth for employees at that even base level, right? Profit sharing or something. Mm -hmm. Something, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, that's a very hopeful thing. That's a very, that could be a very positive thing, right? If we are truly going to allow all ships to rise as, you know, the, the monolithic company, <laughs> the monolith that is Amazon rises, um, that would be great historically that is not what happens <laughs> you know um uh, at least regularly that is not what happens according to forbes amazon recently has been offering full-time employees a $300 bonus check part-time workers will be offered a $150 bonus check and they're offering up to $3000 in bonuses just for people to work over this Black Friday and then through the holidays period, which again is not nothing, but compared to the money <laughs> that's coming in overall, it's just, it's very, very little. Um, yeah. But it's also, but it's also great. I don't know. It's, it's a really tough thing. I think it's just something worth talking about. The concept is that there are all of these protesting workers who you know, they're going to disrupt everything for a bit, and they have. It's shown in Germany specifically that there were shipments that were being fulfilled in, I think, Croatia and a couple other uh, somewhat nearby countries. You know, the places in Germany where the shipping facilities where there were protests happening, all of that stuff got rerouted. But it was pretty, I guess, it, I don't know how difficult it was for Amazon overall, but it was rerouted successfully. Um, and it did slow down shipping a bit. But it's not the kind of thing that will put a big enough dent in a giant company like that to actually make big, significant changes. Mm. And then the other thing to keep in mind is everybody, like we said at the top, everybody needs a job right now. And Amazon is actually offering a pretty good wage for even really difficult work. And you, so then it's on an individual level. You balance, is it worth my sweat and possibly tears to actually, you know, provide for myself and or my family. I don't think you should get dinged for uh, taking a restroom break. I mean, call me if that all of a sudden makes me somehow Karl Marx, then so <laughs> be it. But there's some interesting arguments here, Matt. So first off, Amazon is uh, a private entity. It is at mm -hmm. the threshold of economic heft where it can function in some ways like a state power. Uh, we've we've seen this before, you know, get the advantages of being a state without the obligations 
uh, that a state should have to its citizens, right? Mm-hmm. You just you don't have citizens, you have customers and employees. But the the issue here, like because it's a private entity, uh, the the bare bones argument is Amazon should pay what it's legally required to pay. And anything else it does is its unusual own extra credit, right? It speaks to its character. But but there's another there's another issue, which is that the workplace injuries are pretty crazy. Uh, the degradations are pretty crazy. And there's there is a good argument to be made that Amazon is functioning either as a predatory entity swimming in the wake of economic disaster or as some sort of beacon, a safe haven for people who would not otherwise survive. I mean, we talked about this a little bit off air, but I think I think a lot of folks don't know about Camper Force. That is something I'd never heard of until you brought it up, Ben. Please tell us about it. It's disturbing. So it occurs in this context. The thing is, like, what Amazon is saying is very nice. It is misleading, but it is technically true. Uh, The misleading part of this is that this statement is very nice and positive if we think it occurs in a vacuum. Very few things occur in a vacuum. Uh, Like people in previous generations were alive for the era of pensions. The pension is this thing that seems insane now. You would work you would have a career, you'd work for a company at the end of your career, they would continue to pay you because mm-hmm. you had a pension. But uh, you pay into that system, though. That you paid into, yes. So somewhere along the way, before uh, the four of us were probably born, the pension quietly gave way to something called the 401k. The 401k takes the risk of retirement from the employer and puts it squarely on the employee. And it was Mm -hmm. sold to people as this like, oh, it was sold the same way that, God, I'm just dropping heat on some brand names here, but it was sold to people the same way like Comcast tried to sell some of their terrible internet throttling plans, right? Right, right. Uh, They said, we're giving you more choice. Choice. We're giving you, you know, now you are the captain of your fate, but you're not really. You're the person who has to bear another cost that historically your employer was bearing. Not only that, the choice in and of itself is complicated and confusing for like a novice. Like even when you're served up with all these options of what you can invest in for a 401k, it's like it can be very like like perplexing to someone who isn't familiar with stock trade in in any way. And then all of a sudden, what do you have to take it to your financial advisor? Whereas, you know, and financial advisor, what the hell is that? I don't have one either. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm basically joking. uh, I have a guy outside my local bar. Who was going to shout at. Exactly. But then you're right, Ben, it it, it is an investment. It is a risk that you are bearing and sure matching is all good. And that sounds great. But the pension was like unemployment. You pay into it, you get it. No questions asked. Right. And pensions are earned. We should say that. Mm -hmm. Of course. Some kind of gift. Uh, But the reason I'm saying this up, and I don't mean mean to be long-winded here, is that in a very real sense, like free market arguments aside, which I do respect, right? It is a private company. A private company has the right, and shareholders would argue the obligation, to pay as little as it legally needs to. You know what I mean? Anything the employees will agree to. The free market solution to uh, underpayment for employees is 
go work somewhere else and the company will realize they have to raise their rates. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, that also mainly works in a theoretical vacuum. Regardless of your views, the economic reality of, of the situation is that after a series of crashes uh, in, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, particularly in 2008, a ton of people were abandoned uh, by the American dream. And so now we see Amazon in the scene. They had a problem in the mid-2000s. They were always, like you said, Matt, they were scrambling to find temporary workers during all the, all the shopping periods leading up to Christmas. And in some places, it was so tough for them to get temporary labor that they started bussing in people from three to five hours away. And then a staffing agency said, hey, a lot of elderly people who thought they would be able to retire and live in their homes have had to drastically readapt. And a lot of elderly people are living hand-to-mouth, driving in RVs. Maybe it's because they want to, but many times it's because the housing crash left them adrift and they have no other recourse. Very few people want to be, just by the way, very few people look at their early 70s and think, I can't wait to pick up my warehouse job. And thus, yeah. Camping Force was born. RVers uh, are working at warehouses in Campbellsville, Kentucky, uh, parts of Nevada, and they follow they follow the Amazon warehouse money. They follow the work. So the... <sighs> It's getting sticky, you know what I mean, when we when we get to that kind of thing, because we're not saying Amazon is evil, but there's so many factors that come into play here. Of course you're going to protest. People forget, mm. if you're against unions, don't forget that the United States is founded on protest, in part. That is like the DNA and this this idea of people protesting for better workers' rights, It's it's a huge part of U.S. history. Yeah, but but while, you know, it, it is obviously your right, is it not also your employer's right to terminate you uh, for striking or for trying to organize a union or, you know, like that's, we've heard situations where trying to um, quote unquote collude, I guess, with fellow employees to start a union is grounds for termination in certain situations. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it depends on the laws of the land and the country where you're in. When it when it comes to that kind of thing, um, what actions you can take as a company to prevent your or your workers from organizing? And to that point, I would actually I'm going to send everybody over to Vice.com to read this uh, this article. Secret Amazon reports expose the company's surveillance of labor and environmental groups. Mm. Now. It's written by Lauren Kaori Gurley, and you need to read this because it was put out this year, this November, and it is speaking to reports from 2019 when there were widespread protests uh, occurring at Amazon uh, and all over the place. You're talking about garment workers who are producing things for Amazon, other places, manufacturing jobs that are making the things that Amazon sells to the actual you know, workforce doing the shipping, the, the entire thing. There were huge protests and there were lots and lots of attempts to organize workers into unions. And again, we're talking on a country by country basis, sometimes a state by state basis. And Amazon was doing a ton of surveillance internally. 
just to see who's talking to who about what. We're talking about all kinds of surveillance too. Anyway, it's worth a read. Check that out. And you can see how a giant company like Amazon, which by the way, I got those numbers wrong. I was saying tens of thousands of people employed. That's, that is so wrong. And I apologize. According to Forbes, this sounds insane to me, but maybe it's true. According to Forbes, Amazon over the course of 10 months, that's from January essentially until October, or maybe 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 it's February to November. They hired 427,300 employees, new Jeez. employees. And that's globally. So all all the countries mm-hmm. where they operate. That means they have a global workforce of over 1.2 million human beings. With that many people employed, you can imagine how it matters how much you pay your employees for on both sides, right? Uh, to both to the employer and to the employee. Yeah, it, it does. And uh, but I would also argue like they their delivery vehicles are BMWs or Mercedes rather, you know, like that's a choice. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. It's it a flex. Like, are they just really efficient? But I've always found that to be interesting that the Amazon delivery vans are Mercedes Benzes. I didn't even know that. 9.6 serious injuries per 100 full-time workers in 2018. Really? This per the Atlantic. So doing the math is is not working out in the favor there. Uh, I would also I would also ask, you know, Matt, I think the biggest badger in the bag here is uh, what came of the protest? Oh, as of right now, I'm not seeing any news, or at least recent news over the past 24 hours saying, hey, great, great job, everybody. Protests have changed everything. Um, I, I'm not seeing anything to that end. Uh, do you do you have the latest news? I, I checked right before this. We I don't see I haven't seen anything other than at least from Amazon's side. I haven't seen anything other than that uh, official response that you saw from the uh, PR unit which is this is how much we pay them, this is what we're doing for climate change, and we're going net carbon. What's clever about that is that it's a pivot, isn't it, from some of the issues the organizers raised. Though, to be completely fair, the organizers of the protests did call for the company to commit to zero emissions by 2030. So it was a part of the conversation. just seems like they're, they're giving themselves a pat on the back for something that they were already doing rather Mm. than giving people a slightly better working situation. Mm -hmm. I know Amazon just, there's a big advertising campaign going on right now or a promotional campaign, I guess, from them talking about all of the school grant or the school they're funding a lot of kids giving scholarships. Oh man, what is it? They, they just, I just saw it. My, I happen to be watching (laughs) top chef again, for my own sanity, because it for some reason it gives me happy feelings. Um, you ever tried Great British Bake Off, man? I think you'd like that one too. It's another good happy I have. show. Yeah. I have. Uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm addicted to the judges and everything. Oh, I feel you. They're fabulous. Are you talking about the Amazon Future Engineer Scholarship Program? Maybe they they put some big thing up where it's like half a billion or half a million dollars or whatever. It was some insane number of of how much money they're putting towards students, um, which is great. But it was this weird sure. flex again, like you're talking about with a Mercedes. Like, okay, that's great. Well, well and it's, it's good for optics. It's a nice PR campaign, but it's like, is it moving the needle? And, and is it like, when you look at it on a chart of their holdings, it's like, it's like, 
nothing. You know, it's like a, a, a blip. So I would like to, you know, with stuff like this, I think they could get politicized very quickly. So I think quantitative data is the best lens through which to view this. Here is something true. Based on the profits you just disclosed earlier in this segment, Matt, about Jeff Bezos and the profits this single person has made, um, one thing I think that escapes a lot of people is just how vast a gulf there is between $1 million and $1 billion. To put it in perspective, Jeff Bezos could pay every single employee about $105,000 as a one-time bonus and still be as wealthy as he was when the pandemic began. Does that work out? $70 billion for $1.2 million? Whoa. But they, but, but again, mm. like, should, should I mean, you're so right about should the, he have to? Should he yeah. have to? And, and right. I think the answer unequivocally is no, but it's, it's, it's when you start getting into these levels, these heights of wealth that are just unfathomable that like, to your point, it's like becomes like an economy of scale in one company and this whole too big to fail, you know, argument. Is that good for things? Is that good for the world? Or is it like scary, especially when it's a company that makes literal robots that could, you know, then like take over or something. I, I'm joking, but I'm also not joking. Look at the portfolio of what Amazon owns. They own, you know, um, Amazon Robotics, Kiva Systems, all of this stuff. They have, like, it's basically they have their own skunk works. They're, they're, they're this economy of scale that is developing technology that is meant to uh, serve them. And are they required to be ethical <laughs> with that? You know, I... I I'm sure their standards and practices or their whatever, you know, company handbook says they are. That's their mission statement. But, you know, when you get to that level, are you really beholden to anybody? It's a pickle. It's it's a it's a prime pickle. Da -da 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 -da. No. See, because the issue is the issue is that humanity has been in the midst of similar dilemmas before but not at this scale. The last time the U.S. encountered something like this, it led to trust busting, which is not a, you know, it's so weird that we can look back in history and we see these people lauded as heroes for doing what later historians recognize as the ethical thing for the species. But we have to remember that in their time, those people who are uh, lionized now were treated as public enemy number one. I mean, that's that's just the reality of this stuff. Uh, as far as um, Jeff and Amazon, you know, it's very tough to start your own business, and this has been a very successful one. So there's also a question of, you know, are we punishing the honor student here? Are we punishing success, which is something that, you know, you probably shouldn't do in general, all things being equal. But... Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear. I know that we've got some folks in the audience today who have worked or are working for Amazon. I would love to hear some stories. And tell me tell me a little bit more about the terminology. I heard the phrase Amazombie, uh, referring to the people who had to work the uh, the really late shifts at the warehouses, which operate 24-7, from what I understand. That's right. And uh, we certainly hope that you got your $15 turkey voucher if you are, in fact, working for Amazon and you got to use it. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, we have to do our, I don't know, big company thing and go to an ad break, but we'll be right back. We have, <laughs> to, we have to give our two coins 
to the ferryman to get us across. Throw them in the, <laughs> wish, throw them, throw them in the wishing well. <laughs> Just put them right here. All right. Well, uh, we'll be goes. right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we have returned. Cry havoc. Let loose the dogs of war. We're close to a very unpleasant thing. Uh, if you are, well, whether or not you are based in the U.S. and listening to this show on a regular basis, uh, fellow conspiracy realists, you are probably aware that there is a little bit of a political disagreement in this country. Uh, this is not really going to be a uh, story about politics, but it does come into play. So one of the uh, one of the big issues in this recent presidential election in the United States is that the sitting president, Donald Trump, has refused so far, as we record this on November 30th, to concede the results of the election and is arguing 
a couple of different things, a couple of trying to find a couple of different ways to argue that the election itself is is corrupt, right? Mm-hmm. And that's allegations of corruption and election rigging come up every time that there's a presidential election in the U.S. Uh, it's a great yeah. news story. No, <laughs> I mean, every single time. Right, but to this to this degree of you know publicness about it and like not willing to concede, this is definitely new to me. Uh, this is and, unprecedented. Yeah. You mean on the president's side? Yeah. Yes, and on you know the party of the president and just of the level of legitimacy that this is being given by the fact that it's being parroted by so many people in power. So the 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 reason I'm bringing this up is because when a president here loses an election, they don't automatically leave the White House. They still have to do stuff. Being president is a difficult job. They enter into what is sometimes referred to as a lame duck presidency because <laughs> everybody knows uh, enemies and allies, foreign and domestic, know that one way or another – somebody is going to replace this person on January 20th, right? So it makes it weird. It's a weird time to get things done. Uh, and now we are in a lame duck period. That's not a ding on anyone. That's just the name that is used. Uh, and things are starting to happen on the international sphere that should be pretty concerning because we're actually in we're actually in a dangerous time for the U.S. Uh, the U.S. experiment and for the world. Uh, just a few days ago, a man that most people in the West have never heard of, named Mohsen Fakhrizadeh, was assassinated. Assassinations happen all the time. Check out our earlier two-part episode on this. They, mm-hmm. they happen because they work. They're very effective and they're very unethical. Uh, but this guy is someone that you will be hearing more about because he was a nuclear scientist for Iran. And the, uh, the alphabet boys, have, they have lists of these kind of things. Not just the U.S. crews, but all the other, all the other Western intelligence agencies. They have lists of people they consider important. And Mulsan was one of those people. He was murdered on the 27th of November. So just three days uh, before we recorded this, he was traveling on a rural road in Absard, which is a city near Tehran. And his bodyguards weren't just like sitting in the Nissan with him. He had a convoy of three armored vehicles. People knew that he was a target, that he had a target on his back. So it looks like a truck carrying explosives detonated near his car and then gunmen, unidentified officially at this point, and I know what everybody's going to say, but so far they're officially unidentified. These gunmen emerged and they just started raining fire down on this guy's car. His bodyguards clashed with the assassins. Three of them were killed. Others were wounded. Several of the attackers were reportedly killed as well. His family members were killed or injured in the attack. It was a very nasty, nasty thing. Um, Something else happened here. First off, there is no official word on who did this. But several days beforehand, a certain U.S. president who was looking for, uh, according to some inside sources, looking for an external event, maybe a tail that could wag the dog, uh, had asked again about taking action 
on Iran. By taking action, we mean unilaterally bombing suspected nuclear sites, Mm -hmm. which is a lot like saying, hey, that campfire would look a lot cooler if we just sprayed gas on it, right? That would would be a heartwarming thing. So the current guesses are that, well, when I say current guesses, the Iranian foreign ministers have said that they believe Israel was behind this. And you have to ask yourself about timing. Why would they, if if it is Mossad or if it is, you know, Israeli-linked intelligence, why would they wait till now to assassinate this person? Does it have anything to do with the incoming Biden administration that has already sent signals saying that it wishes to renew the Iranian nuclear agreement? Is someone trying to poison the well? Or, or, you know, lower the chances of there being a successful agreement? Because think about it if you're Iran. One of your top generals got assassinated. There was no real legal repercussion for the assassin. And now it's happened again. Will there be legal repercussion? What does this mean for the future of nuclear stability in the Middle East? I know this is not as fun as some of the other stories. Like, oh, God, European Space Agency has a space claw. They're really putting that into space, but this is important. <laughs> no, this is really important. Remember we did an episode on who's killing Iran's nuclear scientists? I think mm-hmm. that that was early. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was happening in like 2010, 2011, around that time when, when major scientists working in Iran's nuclear program were being murdered, like assassinated, for it to be happening again. Because I think there's been some stuff occurring, some aggressions happening in Iran for a while now. And it's interesting to then, you know, as you're saying, Ben, kind of putting some of these pieces together, figure out which part is actually the thing motivating everything. Um, well, mm-hmm. is it, you know, there's an article in the AP Iran newspaper, strike Haifa if Israel killed scientists. So Israel being obviously, you know, a huge ally of us. And, and then this notion that Trump was even talking about bombing uh, Iran's nuclear facility. Right before he leaves office, uh, the, the the idea maybe being just to to throw a wrench in the works for Biden, I guess. I don't know. Is it deeper than that? Yeah. So like, as I mentioned, they had uh, about two weeks before the assassination on November 27th, uh, Trump had done what I, what I just called kind of a, a potential tail wagging the dog scenario because he said, what if we... Why don't we strike at the main nuclear site? As far as the calculus behind that, who knows? Is it because wartime presidents never get, uh, like, tend to get reelected? I mean, that's just a fact. Um, Is it because he feels the election is still undecided? A lot of international commentators are going to say that if Israel did this, if they were responsible for it, then they would not have done this without at least a tacit approval from the U.S., which I mm-hmm. which I think is is pretty likely. Uh, also consider that uh, back in 2018, Fakhrizadeh was mentioned explicitly by Prime Minister of Israel Netanyahu. He he not only mentioned the guy and said that he was a leader in the nuclear program of Iran, but he told people watching he was like, "Remember that name." It's going to come up later. So he's definitely on a list. But if they're like, I, if I had to guess, and this is just speculation, 
if it were U.S.-Israeli operatives who did this with a remote-controlled machine gun, by the way. That detail yeah. came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, if but, they were doing this, it was to ruin the deal. Right. Yeah, that, that, was, that was what I was uh, thinking might be the case. And what if Iran does get to the bottom of this and decide this is what happened and they do, they do strike the Israeli city uh, of, of Haifa, um, killing, you know, large numbers of civilians, wouldn't that force us to respond? Yes. And Matt, we'll go back to the machine gun in a sec. I just want to say also consider the open secret policy of Israel in the Middle East regarding nuclear weapons. It is very, very bad. The last thing you want is any kind of nuclear deployment. And then also consider, you know, uh, the millions of innocent people in both countries who, you know, would like to stay alive, which I don't think is an unreasonable desire. You know what I mean? So this is um, this is an enormous powder keg. This kind of chaos can be advantageous or beneficial for, like, the defense industry, but it's very, it, it can be very, very bad for, for human beings. Again, most of whom in both countries just want to, like, get up and go to work. And, you know, may, maybe take a nice vacation with their kids sometime if they can save up enough money. Uh, add to this the fact that um, Iranian contacts, uh, a lot of people there are suffering tremendously under sanctions. Sanctions are collective punishment. You know what I mean? They, they punish the people. There's an argument that they punish the people who don't make policy decisions more than they punish the elites who do. Um, but anyway, but yeah, you're Matt, it is correct that it, it was the latest reports are a machine, uh, a remote controlled machine gun. Yeah, but the they were Times, watching Breaking Bad, too. huh? Well, yeah, well, yeah, good point. There you go. Um, but it's weird because we are getting conflicting accounts mm-hmm. um, from Iranian sources that The New York Times was citing to Harrods, uh, Harrods, Harrods mm-hmm. and a couple and a couple other outlets that are citing a different thing because some are saying that it was a Nissan that was parked far away that had an automated machine gun on it that was firing and caused the thing, caused the attack. And then that car itself exploded and there were no actual assassins on site, which is really strange to think about mm-hmm. as a possibility. Others mm-hmm. are saying there were 12 individuals at least that were present who were attacking and then they all escaped without getting caught either way. It's almost like this phantom attack or it feels like a, we, uh, a phantom assassination. Very, very strange. Yeah. And this is the scary thing too, is for people who are completely uninvolved in this, you have to wonder what is the, what is the escalation going to be? Because yeah. if there were an invasion of any sort, God forbid, if there were, um, if there were what we call a hot war, then the U.S. inevitably becomes part of the conversation. And I hope this doesn't happen. I hope that um, people can, or I hope the forces at play can step back any bellicose behavior. But we have to remember, this is 2020. It's always something. That's the motto of this year, 2020. It's always something. Always and something. And so I hope I hope a war is not the uh, is not the grand finale. I would really like it to be something a little more laid back. But uh, but we want to hear what you think. Uh, we've gone a little over here. Uh, 
I'll have more updates uh, on this as it develops. But uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you to everyone who's checking out the show, who's sending us these strange stories. Uh, Let us know what you think of outsider art and monoliths. Let us know what you think about the uh, dilemma of Amazon. Let us let us know what you think about the dilemma of nuclear weaponry in general. Should it be banned? Totally. Will it be banned? Never, 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 never. It's going to be here forever until uh, we're back to sticks and stones and just wondering why that mysterious pile of rocks at the far edge of the field makes people sick. Yeah, well, it could go away when the next most powerful type of weapon is developed and then everybody's trying to make that instead. Yes, the gravity gun or whatever it ends up being. That's that's true. Also, uh, you know, maybe it'll go away uh, when the whatever comes after humans takes this stage. I just I read this cool study that uh, says if it weren't for that asteroid, dinosaurs would have soldiered on like they wouldn't have. They weren't on the decline. They would have been fine. Isn't that crazy? On these accidents, such large things hinge. Hmm. Accidents such as stumbling upon our Instagram, which is <laughs> at Conspiracy Stuff Show. Well, that's a happy uh, accident. Though. I, I, I'm cool with that. <laughs> well, it could uh, be an accident. Uh, a hapsident. Um, or finding us on Twitter or Facebook where we are Conspiracy Stuff. And we also recommend that you check out our Facebook group, which is Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Uh, you can hang out with all of our friends there who've already joined up. We like to talk about this episode, the past episode, that other one that you really like, Mm -hmm. just jump on there and there are others who want to talk about it. We guarantee it. It's a one-stop shop for all your monolith updates. There you go. All you have to do to join is name one of us or a super producer, anybody, or make us laugh uh, enough to click on the approve button. That's really all you got to (laughs) do. Sometimes if they're real cute, and there's literally no indication they know a damn thing about the show, I'll still let them in. I'm like, because we you know, want you in the club. We want you in the club, and maybe you'll, you'll discover, you know, a, a life-changing group of people. Because that is exactly what the Here's Where It Gets Crazy folks are. And I, uh, I, I screenshot the, uh, <laughs> I screenshot the really, the really funny ones. Yep, so please, same. no mm-hmm. hashtag, no pun left behind. Uh, quick <laughs> word while we're on that point: uh, we've got a backlog of approved posts. We have mods who work very hard, but we're we're still we're open to uh, some more mods for assistance. Uh, yeah. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm often buried in research. So I, it's tough for me to go through and approve things. It's tough. And also, like, it's no ding on any of the members that we have an approval process for the posts. It's just mainly to keep them from being too redundant and also just, you know, to make sure it's a nice, safe space for everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of the opposite of safe spaces, if you want to check us out on YouTube, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. We have some surprises on the way for you. If that doesn't quite do it for you, if you're like, ah, here we go again, uh, whenever you hear about social media or YouTube, then we've got another way for you to contact us. You can just give us a call. We have a number and everything. It's legit AF. 
It's one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Leave a message at the sound of Ben's dulcet tones and try to keep it within the three minute range or shorter. And then you might appear on uh, one of our weekly listener mail episodes. Just let us know if it's OK to use your name or how you'd like us to refer to you or if you want to be anonymous. We're cool with all of that. One hundred percent. And if you're not cool with any of that, then you can always reach us the good old fashioned way. Send us an email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.